Praise God. It's so wonderful to see everyone here today. I'm so excited that you're here and you're able to join us today. People are still getting back from the hurricane. People are still trying to recover from the hurricane. Some people are still, try, are still displaced and all that. And, and we do still have water over here and some, some, a little bit of uh, some stuff there, some, some cleaning supplies and stuff. If you need any of that, please take it. If, you know, if you don't need it, take it to somebody else. Um, and because we want to go ahead and get rid of that and, and get it out and, and to people, those who, who need it. So, um, but today, because of the hurricane, because of all this is going on, <clears throat> I want to talk to you about encouragement. And today feels kind of like a, uh, a weekday to me. I said it in an earlier service because Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, I was at a conference up there in Chesapeake, Virginia at our main campus. We were, we were teaching um, a standards conference. We're going to have one here for our leaders here. Um, and then it's going to boil over into, into um, our church. Um, but uh, it was a wonderful time, and so I was there. I didn't get back till last night at, at 9:30 at night last night, and so I, I don't. I feel like today's just a, a regular day. It's just a, uh, it's not it's not a weekend I, I, because I didn't have my Saturday. But but because of of the stress and everybody being so tired, and because of all things going on, I want to talk to you today about encouragement. A little bit of encouragement. As a matter of fact, the title of my message is just encourage me. Where can we get it from? How how do we get it? How do we access it? And such as that. The word, the word encouragement actually means to, to call to one side, to help, to console, to strengthen, to instill courage into. Um, the Hebrew act for the word encouragement actually means to put courage into. To put courage into. And the men and women of the Old Testament, they really knew how to encourage one another. And Jesus knew how to encourage people and he encouraged everybody he met, but also he needed encouragement because he was obviously just a, a man that, that was uh, fully God but he was fully man as well um, in Matthew chapter 26 verse 38 the night before his cru crucifixion he said remain here and keep watch with me he asked some disciples he said would you just stay with me I, I'm just kind of lonely I'm, I'm going to go to the cross tomorrow I'm going gr to die a very grueling cruel vulgar death you know, I'm going to be stripped naked and, and just embarrassed, and I, I'm, I'm going to be beat to a pulp. And it just, will you just stay with me? Can you just stay and pray with me for a little while, please? He, he needed somebody. Jesus Christ needed encouragement from his friends, and and what wonderful friends he had. He he asked them to pray for just an hour with him, and they they fell asleep. You know, and so he woke them up, and he's like, "Come on, guys! I mean, I mean listen, I'm I'm gonna, I'm going to die tomorrow." Tomorrow I'm going to die a cruel death. Will you please, please just, just be with me and pray with me a little bit. Oh, yo, oh, I'm sorry. I had a long day, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then what happened? They fell asleep again. <laughs> you know, and so, so it's, it's amazing, you know. And then they, they, tried to, they tried to pray with him for a while. But Jesus Christ himself needed encouragement. Yes, he was the son of God. But he needed encouragement in his humanly flesh. Because without him needing encouragement at some times, he wouldn't know how we feel. And he said, I have felt everything that you felt. Everything that you're going to go through, I've been through it. So therefore, he needed to feel that. My scripture today is from 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5. It says um, in uh, the New King James Version, it says, Blessed by the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction so that we are able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort of which we ourselves are comforted by God. 
Just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so are um, our comfort in abundance through Christ. The, the New Living Translation says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father who is the source of all comfort. He comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. For the more that we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with comfort through Christ. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 5. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray for your comfort today and your encouragement. I pray, God, that in this time of when, when people get kind of get discouraged, God, we've been through a hurricane and then we've had another hurricane come and, 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 and tinker with us, God, Michael, and, and there's just so much going on. Some are still displaced. Some are getting back. It's going to be a year, God, before we want us back to normal. God, but we're, we're getting back there, but, until, but we don't want to wait for a year. We want you to, to get your church back to normal now and to encourage your church and to comfort your church so we, can, so we can continue to do what you've called us to do. Don't let us get weary and well-doing, God. Let us reach out, Father, and, and be that light. And the way we can do that is by your comfort so we can comfort others in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Life is tiring. Life gets struggling. When we, we, have, we have family members that aren't saved, we have bills that aren't paid, we have school that gets difficult, and then you have, you're out of school for two weeks, and then you're like, oh my God, you know, is my kids going to be able to make up that time, and, 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 and your, your health is failing. There's all kinds of things that goes on in our life. Your friends leave, and it's just easy to get discouraged nowadays. And you have a hurricane, and it's just, it's just so easy to, to get discouraged in these days. And discouragement is a thief. It will steal your zeal. It will steal your joy. It will steal your, your peace. It will steal every part of you. It will steal your contentment. Discouragement is a thief, and it will zap you from everything that, that you have. But only, not only the discouragement comes, when it comes, <clears throat> it tries to get the key to your spirit. Okay, And it comes in and, and has the key to your spirit and opens the door into your spirit and brings discouragement to you. And then it says, hey guys, He's got, he's got a whole bunch of friends, if you don't know. He's got a whole bunch of friends that say, hey, party over here. I got the key. I'm in. All you got to do is come and let's throw a party. Okay? So discouragement comes in, and his friends that are in this party are fatigue, hopelessness, despair, self-pity, depression, doubt, bitterness. You know, discouragement comes. It, discouragement don't come by itself. It comes by itself, and it's the one that knocks on the door and says, hey, I just want to bring you down a little bit. But then when it brings you down, it opens, slams open the door and sends out party invitations to everybody. And they all come in and try to make it worse. They try. Discouragement is the one that comes, and from, from discouragement, you can end up all the way to being suicidal. And it starts with just a little bit of discouragement. And then he's, he sends out the party, party, party line, and everybody comes and tries to, to bring that in. And, it, and discouragement is from, because you've had dissatisfaction from the past. And you've got a distaste for what's going on right now in the present. And you've got a distrust for what's going to happen in the future. You know, and you're, you're concerned, and, 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 and it comes, in, and, and we, we're insecure, and, and this discouragement comes to, to attack us. We have to fully rely on God. You seen that t-shirt that has a frog on it? It says fully rely on God, F-R-O-G, fully rely on God. We need to do that and not look at our circumstances sometimes as for what they are, but look at them as an opportunity. We need encouragement. We need hope and peace and knowledge. And we need to know that God's word says that he's not going to leave us, that he loves us and that he's not going to leave us uncared for. 
Keeping our eyes on Jesus is the best way to do that. I want to go back to the scripture that I just read, and I want to break it down a little bit. The first thing I want you to know is that we need to be encouraged because God is a God of mercy and a God of comfort. In that scripture, it says, verse, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. The New Living Translation says, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is our merciful Father and the source of comfort. See, God is a Father of mercy. Um, mercy comes from okotiramos, um, which means compassion or pity. It means, here it is, it means something that is felt in the heart from the Greek. See, I love that because that means, if that's what that word means, and it's from, it's, it's from, it's from the Greek word, then, and it means to be felt in the heart, and then I go back to that scripture, and it says God is the Father of mercy. So that means he has mercy on us, so that means he feels compassion in his heart for us. Even as God, he has, he's, he has ability to feel that compassion and mercy for us. He's the author of mercy. That's why we're not dead, because he's had, he had mercy on us, and he didn't give us what we deserved. He gave his son what we deserved. He's the author of mercy. He brings salvation and forgiveness and keeps us and delivers us from eternal damnation and gives us his sacrifice and the blood of his son. He's the God of mercy. Um, Psalms um, 86 and 5 says, You are forgiving and good, O Lord, abounding in love to all who care for you. The, the Greek word for comfort is um, periklesis, which means exhortation or comfort or encouragement. It actually comes from the form of the same root word of perikletos, which is where we get Holy Spirit from. Um, in John chapter 14 and, and 26, it says, But the Comforter, Paracletos, um, which is the Holy Spirit, or Holy Ghost, who, um, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring all things to remembrance whatsoever I have told you. So that comfort is Holy Spirit. That comfort is the same word that, that we get the word Holy Spirit. So you've got the mercy of God and the God of, of all comfort or Holy Spirit. In the New, Living Tra I mean, the New Standard, New American Standard, it, that word means uh, or is translated, rendered, is rendered helper. So our comforter, our helper, our sidekick, the, our, our, our helper, our, our nurturer. Um, all comfort comes from God. The God of comfort, mercy, and of love. It all comes from God. All of it comes. It don't come from an angel. It don't come from, from psychotherapy, some, some quick little, little word that we say. It doesn't come from, from, from a force. It comes from God. God gives us the comfort through the Holy Spirit in Jesus. So, so you're saying, okay, that's cool, Pastor Doug. I'm, I'm discouraged today. And you told me that God is a comfort. That's wonderful. But I don't feel it. Okay, and I don't see him. He ain't here right now in the flesh for me to like hand my hand, put my hand out or for him to touch me. So how do I receive this? Okay, well, let's talk about that. So there is comfort. He's got this big bucket of comfort or this big heaven of comfort. Um, and so how do we, the first way we receive it is by, just by faith. You know, you, 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 God, you said in your word, God, that you, you have comfort and I can have it. So therefore, I receive it. I want, right now, I want you to give me the comfort. I want to receive comfort from God. And then you receive it by faith, just like you do salvation. Just like you get saved by faith, and you, you believe you're saved. We receive healing by faith, so you can receive comfort and encouragement by faith. Another way you can receive it is from somebody else. Somebody can give you an encouraging word. Somebody can give you a shoulder to cry on. 
Somebody can, can, can give you a helping hand and do something for you and encourage you. You know, um, somebody can, you know, I, told, I, I was talking not about this message, but I, I had a teaching that I was doing on encouragement as well. And it was about, I said, somebody can just smile at you. You know, you know how you're kind of down and, you, you, you know, somebody, your husband, your wife, or somebody you care about or your best friend, and they just smile at you, and you're like, oh, that makes me feel so good, I feel better now, you know? Um, or, or, or your kid's up there in the choir in fourth grade, and they're just nervous, and you're looking up at them, and they can't see you, and he's giving that little wink, you know, and they're like, okay, good, I got this. You know, or, or, or you're looking at somebody, and you're like, hey, you got this. It's encouragement, you, thumbs up, you, you could do this. You know, that kind of stuff is encouraging. That kind of stuff brings comfort. You know, through, through other people. And then also, where else can I receive comfort? Through, through by faith, by, by people, my peers, and also by the Word of God. You can read in the Word of God where what you're going through, somebody else went through, and God gave them comfort. God blessed them. God encouraged them. God strengthened them. You can read in here, okay, maybe you, haven't, you didn't read where somebody else got comfort, but you can read where, where um, God promises you comfort. You can read this very scripture right here where God says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So a lot of encouragement can come straight from the word of God. And then obviously, fourth, the, the, the um, comfort and encouragement comes from the comforter, Holy Spirit. And he indwells in you. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, take encouragement because God is, God is there in your afflictions. That's verse, verse four, part A. It says, he comforts us in all our troubles or afflictions so that we can comfort others. The afflictions in the New American Standard Version is, is trouble or uh, I don't know how to say the Philippus, T-H-L-I-P-S-I-S. And, and that, that is translated tribulation, trouble anguish, persecution, and of course, affliction. So when we're going through afflictions, when we're going through troubles and trials, God says that he is there with us during that time to give us the comfort, to give us the encouragement that we need. It comes in all kinds of different shapes and sizes. Sickness, financial difficulty, loss of a loved one, an unsecured future, hurricanes, tornadoes, rain, flood, you know, loss of, loss of, of, of things like that. We get frustrated and we get so, so bent out of shape about things. So why do we have these afflictions, you may ask? Well, Pastor, look, why do we have these afflictions? And I say this quite often, because we live in a broken world. And I, 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 blame, I, I big time throw shade on Adam and Eve because they are the reason this world's jacked up. If not, we'd all be walking around just having a good time, eating off the trees of life. You know what? You know, we'd just, it'd just, be, just be a wonderful time. But because of them, sin entered the world. Sin entered the world. Um, um, and, and so it takes, and also another reason why we have it, because it takes a world of affliction for us to, to, uh, to be better. For us to be, if, if, if God took affliction from us, we wouldn't need God. Or we would think we wouldn't need God. I have no reason to turn to God. I have no reason to pray. I have no reason to read my Bible because I have no affliction. I don't need to trust God. I don't need comfort because there's no affliction. Nothing's going wrong. I live in this little happy little world. I live in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. You know? And in, 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 in the kingdom, his little puppets that he had, you know? You know, with King Friday, everything's happy there, you know. And so, so, so but, but James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says, says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face 
hurricanes, trials, when you ain't got money to pay your bills, when someone treated you, treated you wrong, when there's a flood, when someone talks about you, what have you. It says, because it says, consider, you, it, says, um, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds. So what kind of a trial you face? It says, whatever you face, consider it pure joy. And I purely laughed at that when I first read that. I was like, consider it joy. Oh, hey, yay, hurricane's here. You know, woo, I lost everything. I don't have money to pay my bills. Yes. You know, they're going to come take my car. Who cares? I'm happy. You know, it's just, it's just, you know, consider it. Are you really? Well, so why should we consider it pure joy? Because it says, because the, the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish so you can be mature, lacking nothing. So we have to have these trials because it, it sharpens us. It makes us better. It helps us trust God more. It helps us mature in God and become a mature Christian and have faith to withstand other storms that's going to come our way. Because if you have a bill that can't be paid and you lay it there and say, God, you got to help me pay it, and then God, God helps you pay it, the next time one comes, it's not so hard to believe for it, is it? If God helps you through one storm and another one comes and you, you're going to say, well, hey, what are you, you, you going to say, Shane? Hey, I made it through. The, God helped me through the last one. I thought, it was, I, I, thought I, had, I thought my life was over, but God helped me and I made it so I can make it through the next one. God can help us together. So afflictions are a way of making us better. And that's how we should look at them. Count it all joy. You should, and we shouldn't have to worry, is God, is God going to take care of me? What a slap in the face of God that is. Does God love me? That's like slapping God Almighty in the face and saying, who are you? What, 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 what do you mean? Why, Pastor Doug? Because he sent his son Jesus already to die for your sins so you wouldn't go to hell. And for us to say, but do you love me? You ever had somebody, you've done stuff for them, you've, you've, you've done everything you could for them, all this, but, but do, you, do you really care? Oh my God, did you see what I just done? You see what I just did? You see, you know all I've done for you, and you're asking me, do I really care about you? Yes, I, but how much more of a slap is it to God that sent his son to die, this, this vulgar death in front of us, to, and for us to say, do you really care? Do you really love me? Do you really, wanna, do you, do you really want me to be better? Number three, you should, you should be encouraged because that we can be instruments of courage or comfort and encouragement to other people. He comforts us, it says in, in the second part of uh, 4, it says he comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others so that when we are troubled, we will be able to give the same comfort God has given us. See, I told him yes, uh, yesterday when I was speaking, or the day before, whenever it was, I said, I, I used that very scripture, but I was saying, I said, God does not, and I never saw this in that scripture. God does not comfort us to make us comfortable. He comforts us for us to comfort others. He, makes, he comforts us to be comforters. Uh, I wish I had, excuse me, I'm sorry. I wish I had two blankets over me, big, big blankets. And, and, I, and I would say, I need comfort. And someone would put those two blankets over my shoulders. And then, then Diane would say, oh, I need comfort. And then I went and took one of my blankets and wrapped it around her. I was comforted, so now I can comfort someone else. 
We go through what we go through. I, I talked to somebody not too long ago, and I was there in, in a hospital with them, and they looked at me, and they said, and I said, you're going to make it through this. And they said, yes, I am. And when I get out of this right here and I get through this situation, I'm going to tell the whole world about it, and I'm going to let everybody know what God did for me so he could do it for them too that's dealing with the same situation. That's exactly what, what the Scripture says. You went through it, you dealt with it, and you made it. Now help somebody else that's going through the same thing. Help somebody else. That you comfort somebody else. That glorifies God when we help comfort others through Him. Being used by God makes you feel good. It isn't, it isn't the only reason to help somebody, obviously, but it does. It feels good when you help somebody. I love to help people. I love for, for someone to have a smile and be happy because I helped them. But you've got to understand that it wasn't you that helped them. It was a God that first comforted you that you even had the ability to, to help or comfort somebody. You need to praise God and that, that you have these afflictions because, like as without them, we wouldn't feel like we even needed God. M you know, many of us have trials, and because of that trial, we can help other people with trials. God does not comfort you to make you comfort comfortable. I'll say it again. He makes you to, to, for you to be comforters. You see, well, what do you, what do you, what do you really mean by that, Pastor Doug? Well, lighthouses. We're not built, we're, we're built by shipwrecked sailors. Roads widened were built by mangled um, uh, motorists. Hospitals were built because of sick people. Where there's no suffering, no one cares. If you got a road that nobody ever dies on, it's going to stay just like it is. But if you got a corner that everybody's getting killed on, they're going to widen that road. They're going to put up signs, they're going to do something to make it better. You know, if, if, if a ship never wrecked on, that, on, that, on that, that rock, there would not be a lighthouse there. See what I'm saying? So, so when bad things happen, it gives the opportunity for, for someone to say, hey, something bad has happened. What can I do so it won't happen to no one else? The Apostle Paul was also an encourager. He was, after he was stoned and left for dead at Lystra, he chose to return to that area in Acts chapter 14, 19 through 22 to encourage the believers. Paul's a good man. Because let me tell you what, Diane, if, if y'all over here, all y'all threw rocks at me and tried to stone me and kill me and then left me for dead, I ain't coming back to preach to you about Jesus. I'm coming back to break your neck. Or I'm going to have a stone in my hand. Hey, who, who, th who threw that stone at me? You know, and then left me for dead. You know what I'm saying? But, but he, was, he, he loved and cared so much for these people that after they stoned him and tried to kill him. Reminds you of Christ, don't, don't it? He was on the cross and they were trying their best to kill him. Dead as a doornail. And he said, forgive them. They don't, they, Lord, they don't know what they're doing. God, God help us have that mindset. That when people do us wrong, we can look at them and say, God, just forget, they don't know what they're doing to me right now. They don't even have a clue what's going on in their life, that the enemy's using them. God, help me, Lord, not to, to, to feel negative, but to be positive and say, God, they need Jesus. When someone does stuff, you know, when we're on the road, God, and those idiots drive like they do, help me remember, they need Jesus. That's the only reason to drive it like that. <laughs> Number four, you should be encouraged because of the comfort you receive from God comes through Jesus. 
verse 5 says, For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with comfort through Christ. This means that all comfort, all encouragement, all hope that you receive from people comes through or is filtered through Christ. Therefore, comfort is pure, it's good, it's right, it's received by faith. You know, um, where our sufferings are abundant, so is our comfort. Our comfort is, is, is a spiritual thing that comes through active choice, and it all comes through Jesus. It's something that belongs to you as a Christian. You don't live in a world of hurt and, and hope, I mean, and hurt and doubt without the, the, the ability to be able to receive comfort. You have the God of encouragement waiting to show you mercy. You have the God of comfort waiting to, to give you that encouragement. Matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 11 and 28, he says, Hey, I've got lots of comfort. I've got lots of encouragement to give out. So come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden or burdened, and I'll give you rest. Just come to me. Barnabas was a man in the Bible. Now, not Barabbas, whenever that Jesus was getting ready to be crucified, they said, give us Barabbas. That's, that's Barry. We're talking about Barnabas. We're talking about Barney, okay, not Barney. We're not talking about Barry. We're talking about Barney, okay? Give us Barnabas. No, not give us Barnabas, but Barnabas was a man. Barnabas' name uh, meant son of encouragement. I mean, hey, I mean, he was an encourager. So let's look at his life just for a moment here in, in the last couple minutes of service here. You know, he, he, he was son of encouragement. And his, he encouraged others by practicing stewardship. Acts chapter 4, verse 37. It says, when he heard that many in the early church were suffering financially, he sold a piece of property and gave the money to the apostles to provide for the needy. So if anybody's got a, some land, just sell it and give me the money for it for the church. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's what the Bible says for you to do <laughs> No, you know, so, so, but he did, he, he, he took the money from the land and gave it to the church to help the people and, and to build the build, build bigger churches and stuff. And that's what he did. He encouraged people by using his finances to help. But you may be like me and say, I'm not rich. I don't even own what I got. And I certainly don't have something else that's already paid for that I can sell. I don't have nothing extra. Then you may be like me and be like in Acts chapter three, where Peter and John was with, when they went to the gate. And the man was lame, and he said, alms, alms, in other words, give me money. Give me money, please, money. And they said, listen, gold and silver have I none. I ain't got no change. I ain't got no coins. I don't have, I don't have no, no money to give you. But what I do have, I give unto you, and it's Jesus. So maybe you can encourage others. Maybe sometimes you can slip somebody a dollar bill or pay it forward in line at a, at, at, at a, at a coffee shop. Or you can bless the church with money that you get from something. But if you don't have that, you still can give somebody Jesus. We all can give somebody Jesus if we don't have a dime to our name. The second thing is, is, is um, encouraging by extended friendship. In Acts chapter 9, Saul, you know, he was an enemy of Christians and he went and killed Christians. Barnabas saw him, and it says in, in Acts 9, 26 and 27, when Saul came to Jerusalem, he, he sought out to join himself with the disciples, but they were afraid of him. They believed not that he was a disciple, but Barnabas, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared unto them 
how he had seen the Lord in the way and he had spoken to them and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So Saul, which used to kill Christians before he came Paul, tried to join the apostles, the disciples, and said, hey guys, I want to hang out with you guys. And they're like, dude, you loco, Nakabeza, you're crazy in your head. You, you, you kill people, you kill Christians, and would you think we want you to hang out with us? And Barnabas said, look, man, I've kind of hung out with this dude a little bit. I gave him a chance because he said he had changed. And I gave him a chance, and I've heard him preach. I've heard his testimony. I've heard his talk. I really believe he's trying really hard to change. I believe he has changed. So why don't y'all let him hang out with you? So he created, he was somebody's friend, and he extended friendship to somebody. And I, that's what I love about Kingdom Life is that, that we believe in people. We believe people want to change. We believe people can change. And when someone comes in with some issues and they're like, I'm changing, I'm trying to change, we believe them and we say, hey, we want to help you change. And I thank God for, for our church that, that loves those who are trying to change that other people have said, no, we, we, don't, we don't believe you. Thank God that Kingdom Life believes, amen? And then the, then the next one is that he builds partnerships. That, that, that's one thing that he did but to encourage others. He builded partnerships. There was a church of Antioch, and they were in a big revival. In Acts chapter 11, verses 22 through 23, it says, They sent forth Barabbas, and he, that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came, he had gone, um, he had seen the grace of God, and he was glad, and he exhorted them all, that with the purpose that they should cleave to God or cleave to the Lord. And see, what they sent, they sent Barabbas to do was they sent him out to these churches to see if the churches were telling the truth, if they were preaching the truth. I think that would be amazing if God sent somebody to do that today. If there was somebody that went around that God sent to around all the churches to say, okay, shut it down, you're lying. Shut it down, you ain't preaching the gospel. Shut it down. You say you love people, but you really don't. Shut it down. You're preaching something that ain't even, ain't even scriptural. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? Because you know how many churches would be shut down that really are not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're preaching man's word. They're preaching what they think is right. And then the next thing is, is that he developed leaders. Barnabas did. He saw what God was doing in Antioch, and, and he, he went... He went there and they needed somebody that was a, had a leadership mind, an organizational mind. And he helped organize that. And he helped them there organize things and get things together. In, in 11, 25 and 26, it says, Then departed um, Barnabas to Tarsus to seek Saul. And he found him and brought him to Antioch and came to pass when a year um, that they assembled together themselves in the church and they taught many people. Now, Barnabas never wrote a book in the Bible. He didn't, write, he didn't write no books in the Bible. But he helped disciple Paul and Mark, who both wrote books of the Bible. So you may not be a pastor, you know, but you may be a mentor to somebody that can change who they are. And then the next one is, he, he helped rebuild relationships. Acts chapter 15, 36 through 41 talks about Paul and Barnabas. And how they had John Mark with them on their journey. John Mark was helping them. But somewhere on the journey on the long way, he left the team and he went home. 
And then they were retracing their steps, and, and Mark came, wanted to come back and be with Paul or Barnabas. But Paul said, I have no need for him anymore. I don't need him. He, he was mad with him for leaving him. And so Paul took Silas, and Barnabas took John Mark, and they kind of went their separate ways for a little bit. But Barnabas wouldn't give up on it. He kept talking to Paul, saying, hey, man, we need Mark. John Mark needs to be with us. We need him as part of our team. And then we find out later on that Paul says, you know what? I do need you. He heard from God, and, and, and Barabbas had that influence to rebuild relationships between people that were broken. The God of all encouragement. We need some Barnabases in this house. We need some people that can sow financially you know, into our future. We need some people that, that, can, that can help build relationships to believe in people that nobody else believes in. We need some people that, that can re-put together relationships that are broken. And we need people that can build partnerships and, and be friends with others. We need Barnabases. Will you be a Barnabas and encourage somebody? Today, maybe you've been encouraged to be a Barnabas to, for what you've been through and the pain that you've had in your life that you can help somebody else. Or maybe you're saying... I need a Barnabas in my life to encourage me. And I need God to encourage me. Maybe you're here today and say, I need more than encouragement. I need Jesus. I need salvation. I just need to be saved. That encouragement stuff's good. I can be encouraged, but I know I'm not living right, and I'm not going to go to heaven if I don't change my ways. Would you bow your hand, close your eyes, please, for a second? Let's, let's, let's pray for a second. Does anybody here at all say, Pastor Doug, I'm not a Christian. I don't know Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, but I want to be saved. I, I want this encouragement. I want to be able to get encouragement from God. I want to get encouragement and comfort from God, but I, I'm not going to be able to get it if I'm not his child. But I want to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I want to be saved. Is there anybody at all that would say, hey, I want to be saved? I want to receive Christ today. Anybody at all? Who would say, Pastor Doug, I need some encouragement. I've been, I mean, I've been discouraged with this storm and the, the, all the stuff and the stuff that happened in my house and the stuff that happened to my family, the stuff that's happened everywhere. And you know what? Maybe some stuff I ain't got nothing to do with the storm. I'm just discouraged. I'm beat down. Would you pray for me that, that God would encourage me? And would you encourage me in prayer? Would you raise your hand? Anybody? Yeah, yeah, a lot of people. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray right now for everybody in this room that are broken, God, that are discouraged and, 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 and bitterness and loneliness and, God, Lord, disappointment and depression has tried to come and set in. I come against and I speak against that spirit of depression in the name of Jesus. I command that spirit of depression to leave and to be gone in the name of Jesus. I bind that spirit of depression today. That spirit of discouragement, I, I curse you in the name of Jesus and command you to go back to the pit of hell where you began at. Loneliness, discomfort, dissatisfaction. God, I take authority over that in the name of Jesus. And I pray that, that, that Satan in the name of Jesus, I command you to loose God's people and allow them to be encouraged and have comfort in their heart. In the name of Jesus. Let peace and joy come, Lord. And what they're going through right now, 
Let it spark them to be able to share with someone else the comfort that you're going to give them today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Would anybody say, Pastor Doug, thank you. I appreciate the prayer. I appreciate the message. I'm just, I'm in, I'm in depression. I'm just so discouraged. And I just need you to lay hands on me and agree with me. And I need these people to agree with me that I can get out of this funk that I'm in. That God would deliver me from it. Is there anybody here today to say, hey, I'm just really depressed. I'm really discouraged. And I just need God to bring me. I need, some, I need the joy of the Lord and I need it now. Anybody at all need, need prayer about that? Amen. Amen. Well, praise God. Yes, give me a praise report, buddy. Praise God. Amen. There you go. Man, they were displaced for, for several weeks and had to stay at Hoggard for several weeks. And they were so, so down, man. And, it was, and we tried to encourage them. And God's blessing them and getting them a place to stay and getting them out of that funk that they were in. And, and uh, now they're going to be able to use that to their advantage. They've already used it to their advantage. And they're going to continue to do that. Praise God for that. Please, today at, yes. Okay. Now you have a gym. Amen. Praise God. Yes. Amen. Praise God. Amen. So glad y'all are here. Welcome to the family. Praise God. Well, today at 5 o'clock at Riceville Beach at the L-shaped parking lot, we got, a, we got about anywhere from 6 to 10 people that's supposed to be baptized. So we would love for you to come, as you always do. I told somebody the other day, I said, man, some of the biggest turnouts we have is when we have a baptism at the beach. You know, so bring you a jacket. It's going to be a beautiful day. It'll be, it might be a little cool, but it's going to be fine. Somebody today said, well, it's, it's going to be, it might be cold. I said, listen, when I went to Israel the first time, I, we went, that, what, the, when we went to Israel the first time, Dad, what, what time of year was it when we went with T.L. Lowry? Way back. Was it, Feb we went to Fe was it February? Okay. And I got in the water. It was so cold that when I, I got baptized, when I came out, I just said, I hope my right leg moves. I, my, from my waist down was numb, and I just like thought I was walking, and I was. I, from my waist, I couldn't even feel it. But it meant so much for me to be baptized, I didn't care. I didn't care what happened. And thank God the last time I went, I got to baptize. This time when we go to Israel, I'm going to get to baptize. We're not only going to baptize in the Jordan where, it's, where people, everybody gets baptized. We're going to actually go where Jesus was baptized at, part of the Jordan. This year, we're not just going to go to the Jordan. We're going to the spot, the spot where not a lot of people get to go. And we're going to baptize there. So, yeah, so I did. Honest to God, my toes were numb. My legs were numb. I just, I just, I felt like Frankenstein. You know, just felt like, you know, just like, you know, okay, I'm just going to try to get to the, to the bathroom so I can, like, jump in the shower and warm my legs up, you know, so I can feel my body again. But so it's going to be fun today. Um, so please come out for a few minutes. We, 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 the whole process, once everybody gets there, takes us about 20 minutes. Um, you can't hear what we're saying out there, but we have a little pet rally up front at the beginning. And so it means a lot to these people. They are, they are obeying the word of God to repent and be baptized. 
So it's a big deal. So would you come out today? I know Josiah and Amber's going to get baptized, and the Grotto's going to get baptized, and, and um, we have, uh, you know, uh, Zoe and Zari are supposed to get baptized. I, ho- I don't know if they're back in town or not yet, but, but so uh, it's going to be a great day. So please come out and enjoy that today. All right? Oh, and please, this, if, you, if you can help on Saturday, if you can help on Saturday at the Funnel Cake Festival, please sign up out there um, to help with the Funnel Cake Festival. It's going to be amazing. Free, who, who don't want free funnel cakes? Jeez, that's fun. You know what I'm talking about? And we're going to have an apple trot instead of a cake walk. Um, you can get candy apples instead of a cake. All right. God bless. Have a wonderful day.